Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Many of us know about the new covenant in Jesus Christ, but what is the Davidic covenant? What is that one? We'll be hitting that today in 2 Samuel 7. But a brief summary on it is that the Davidic covenant is God's unconditional promise to David that the Messiah would come from David's lineage and from the tribe of Judah to establish a kingdom that would last forever. Unconditional promises are things that God will do independent and regardless of whatever any man does. To offer you a way to to see what an unconditional promise looks like versus a conditional promise, let me give you a conditional promise to have something to go by. I want to show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 10 verse 9. says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I always tell people the will part, you will be saved. That was God's work. God did all of that work. He, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He said, it is finished. He did not say it's 99% done. You do the rest. He said, it's finished. It means he did it all. However, if you look at Romans 10, 9 again, you see that little two letter word in there. It says, if that, if you confess So that word if makes this a conditional thing here, because if means that some people are not going to receive this gospel. They're not going to receive Jesus' gift of eternal life. If makes it conditional. You will be saved. God did all the work. He made all that happen. He settled that on the cross. But it is conditional based on your obedience to it, your reaction, your your decision, and your faithfulness to, to believe it. That if you confess, if you confess and believe, then God will activate that promise in your life. That is conditional. But the Davidic covenant here is an unconditional covenant. Man has no prerequisite action to perform for God to enact the Davidic covenant. This covenant in our text today, basically it states that David's house, which is his kingdom, his family, his lineage, his throne would be established forever, and it is God who will do it, regardless of what David or any man does. But what I like about conditional promises is because it means he's allowing us a choice in the matter. He's giving us a place to respond. He's, he's letting you exercise your free will. That way you can't look at him and say, God, you never let me choose it. You forced this on me. No, he's going to say, hey, if you confess, he's, he's putting it in your ballpark. I did all the work, he says. I did all the work for salvation to save you. But that if thing is there, that if you confess, he's giving you a choice. Isn't that good? But I'm also even more glad that God makes unconditional promises with us because simply there's a lot of work out there that 
only God can do. That if man had a place in it, and, and if we got involved with it, our sinful element getting into the equation would basically corrupt it all. It would mess everything up. So praise God for both unconditional and conditional promises. But when we read through Second Samuel today, I want you to keep your eyes alert for the unconditional terms that are being given in this promise, in the wording of how God lays out his covenant with David. And so here we go. Keep your eyes out for that unconditional jargon in Second Samuel 7 and verse 1. God's covenant with David. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Nathan the prophet, he's a very good successor to Samuel. It's always nice when you've got a lot of work to do, God calls you to something big, and he sends you a helper. Well, this is the another helper that the Lord provided. But David's now comparing his palace to the mere tent that the Lord was dwelling in, his presence upon the ark. And he felt a little bit like the Lord's house should be greater than this, than the palace he's in. And so Nathan, as David's advisor, his helper, he counseled David and he said, hey man, you should build something for the Lord. If it's in your heart, go do it. The Lord's been with you all this time, so go on, go on ahead and do that. I think Nathan kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Let's see what happens, Second Samuel 7 and 4. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. <laughs> Oops, Nathan. <laughs> hey, yeah, David, you want to build the Lord a house? Go build it. The gods, I, I, I'm building you a house here. <laughs> wow. The very next night, though, it says the Lord told Nathan, is wasting no time on this. The Lord is going to set it straight. Remember all those times when uh, Saul, King Saul, could not hear from the Lord? But David is a man after God's own heart, so God was answering fast because he wants us to, to go right. You can see already the unconditional factors working in here that the Lord God is going to do these things, and he's being quick to do it, irregardless of where man messes up. David messed up. Nathan messed up. Uh, yeah, let's build him a house. The Lord is going to jump in quick because this is his work. The very next night, he was quick to tell Nathan to reverse his counsel. 
You told David, go do what's in your heart. Uh Uh-uh. Here's what I want you to say instead. And so the Lord had to remind his own prophet. He has said, since when have you ever seen me in a house? Since when have I ever needed a house? When did I ever tell anybody, I need you to build me a house? The Lord says, I never instructed anyone to build me a house. He said, I've been dwelling in a tent ever since the Exodus. I've been doing this longer than you've even been alive, guys. (laughs) So the Lord reminded Nathan of how he had not been in a house this whole time. So he sent Nathan back to David with a reminder to remind him of his calling that he was there to lead and shepherd the people of Israel. It's kind of like the Lord had said, you don't worry about me. You don't shelter me. I shelter you. Don't worry about my job. You just worry about doing your job. And so the Lord had said in verse 10, he would appoint a dwelling place for his people Israel, their very own place, so that they wouldn't have to move around anymore. Guys, it's tiring when you move around. He wanted to give his people rest. You can see the redemptive nature in the covenant, the unconditional nature of the covenant. The Lord is doing all this work, even though man totally goes the wrong way and blows it. This is all the Lord's work that he is doing completely his. But the Lord was saying the only dwelling that you need to be concerned about is this home for the Israelite people. Don't worry about where I dwell. You need to worry about where the Israelites dwell. That's your concern. And right there in verse 10, where the Lord said, I will appoint a place. He did not say, we will appoint a place. You can hear the unconditional wording that this is his work that he is doing. He uses this unconditional wording to explain to David how all this is going to work, I will appoint, not us. But you remember in the previous chapter, David, he got a little bit procedural, checkbox, 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 got to do this, got to do that, project mode. And he kind of ran it like it was his own show there for a minute. Well, now God is telling him, no, this is my doing. Slow down again. So now the Lord is about to hone David in on the covenant. It's time to tell David the covenant so David knows what's the Lord is really doing here. See, the timing is just wonderful. When we read the Lord's words coming up here to keep you from being confused on who he's talking about, I want you to remember that the the words he, him, his, if it's capitalized, it means deity. If it's not capitalized, if it's a lowercase h on he, him, or his, it is not indicating deity because you'll um, automatically think that the Lord is referring to Jesus here when he's not. He's not talking about Jesus. Be careful of those capital letters. When I was in Bible college, if you wrote a paper and if you referred to the Lord God as he, him, or his with a lowercase h, you got major points deducted because you should be honoring the Lord God with everything you've got, even in your writing, should have a capital H because he's worthy of respect and honor. And so pay attention to those lowercase h's. I'm particular about that because I got some bad grades one time. I learned the hard way. (laughs) So 2 Samuel 7 and 12, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. 
and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Okay, wow, what a blessing to hear that. So, Someone from David's own lineage is going to become king after him. Now, you would typically expect that to be the case. That's typically how kings and and lineages go that you know the king's son is going to be is going to rule after it but you got to remember here that Saul never got that blessing because the Lord removed him and also the Lord let David know that his line not only would it continue forward his line would maintain the throne and not for just a hundred years or a few hundred forever David's original concern remember how this all started here in the chapter David's original concern was to build a house for the Lord. But the Lord corrected him. He said, that's not your job to do. This is my job. I'm going to do this. And the house that you wanted to build for me, the Lord says, that's not even going to be on your plate. That's going to be your son's job to do that. And if you look ahead into 1 Kings 6, we're going to see that Solomon, David's son, he's the one that will actually build the temple of God who will then move the Ark of the Covenant out from the tabernacle and into the temple. So that's going to be Solomon that's ahead yet. So I think David and Nathan, they just realized that their concern about building a house from the Lord was a viewpoint from the wrong angle. Have you ever wanted to do something for the Lord and you had very good intentions, but it was the wrong way to do it? And the Lord corrected you or stopped you? Why did he stop me? Now you're mad? Okay, David just learned that in the previous chapter, and the Lord shut him down, and David got upset, and he ran off for three months and wouldn't have anything to do with the ark. He had to get over that and come back. Well, now here we are. The Lord is correcting him a second time, and this time David's going to receive it very well because he's already been put through the ringer, so to speak, and God has done that to me before too. I was really moving, making good progress, so I thought but I had the wrong viewpoint on it. I was looking at it from the wrong angle. But now when the Lord stops me and corrects me, I receive it better because selfishness will make you think, but God, look at all the stuff I was doing. You know, you got to learn to to get that out of your system and just listen to what the Lord tells you to do. It works out a whole lot better. So he had to turn their perceptions, their angle of what they were doing. He had to turn it around the other way, the other direction. When you have the wrong perceptions, you can't hear from the Lord properly. He had to straighten their viewpoint so they could hear him say, you don't build a house for me. The very reason why I brought you here to this land is so that I could build a house for you. (laughs) Who's house building here? And so he says, I will set up your seed after you. Again, guys, listen to the unconditional nature of this. He said, I will set up a seed, not not we, not the next prophet, not, you know, some guy, I'm going to bring some wise men in and they're going to facilitate all the the stuff. He says, I will establish your kingdom. I will establish your seed and I will do it forever. I, not we. Look at verse 14, how the Lord says something very particular. This is why I told you to pay attention to capital letters for the he. But look at this, where it says verse 14, it says, if he commits iniquity, Guys, did the Lord Jesus ever commit iniquity? No, he did not. He was sinless. So, verse 14 says, If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So, what God is saying is that if he messes up, I'll correct him. 
despite what man might do, if he commits sin, if he messes up and he gets off track, I'll fix him. I'll fix him with the with the blows of men. It's going to bring a battle. And and gosh, Christian, please hear me. When you get into friction with some kind of a circumstance, it's designed to get you back. It's designed to recalibrate your focus. You got to viewing something off, and you got to get recalibrated. Sometimes those trials and those tough things don't curse the Lord for those things. Praise Him for it because it calibrates us back on focus with the Lord, like we see here. He says, if he commits iniquity. I will chasten him. I'll fix it. This is the Lord's unconditional promise. He's going to make sure it gets done. But he says, my mercy shall not depart from him. So here's a question a lot of people ask. How come he removed Saul? He said, but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. The question that comes up is, why would God not take his mercy away from Solomon? Why does Solomon get to keep the mercy of God? But God did remove his mercy from Saul. Why Why is this? Well, number one, God did not promise an eternal kingdom, a messianic line that would bring in the Messiah, Jesus. He did never promise that through Saul. He was not obligated to keep Saul there. And so not only was he the wrong guy to choose, but Saul proved that through his actions that he was the wrong guy to choose. But the second thing, this Davidic covenant is unconditional with men. It does not matter what any man does. It has nothing to do with it. The Lord will do this work. If Solomon gets off, the Lord's going to fix him. He's going to put him back on track. But it's nice to have a promise of God that can't be messed up. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm getting at, because I am a mess up. I love to read about Peter because he was such a mess up. You know what? But don't criticize Peter, right? He's just a, no, no, I'm saying I'm just like him. I'm a mess up too. That's why I love Peter. The Lord used Peter, regardless of all the mistakes he made and all the doubts, and he used him, and he can use me. That's what I like about Peter, because I'm as big a mess up, if not bigger one, than he was. (laughs) So it's nice to have a promise of God that can't be broken, that no matter how you mess up, that he's going to keep it, that the Lord binds it. He is the one who keeps it by his power, not by ours. And so even if the next guy after David completely messes up, the Lord will chasten him to get him back on track, but it's not going to stop the covenant. It never will stop the covenant. Friends, look at it this way. If man, if if one individual, one messed up guy had the ability to sin a little bit or a lot, it doesn't matter how much, but enough to stop the covenant then the Messiah wouldn't come through, and then you and I couldn't be saved. We would have no hope. We're all going to hell. God doesn't love us, right? It's, it sounds absurd when you think of it that way. So, guys, why do you believe that you can stop God's covenants that he binds based on his power, on his promise? You can't. You can't break those promises up. He keeps it. So, the Messiah will come, and that was a benefit for all, all of us. So, God did not hinge all of this upon men. He put it all on himself because he's the one that was going to do it. This kingdom would run on from David through Solomon all the way to Messiah Jesus, an eternal kingdom. God had brought his own people, Israel, to their own land to give them a place to rest from their enemies. And he's going to put in the eternal kingdom himself. So now that history has moved into the Davidic covenant, now that we're here in the Davidic covenant, I want to show you that this Davidic covenant has fulfilled 
the covenant before it. It's like stair steps. It's one thing after the next. The Davidic covenant fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant, which came before. Look at Genesis 17 and 6. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Kings shall come from you. Guys, look at it. He's setting up an eternal kingdom. This is now the next part from the Abrahamic covenant. Now is Davidic. The kings are coming. Now, you remember back in 1 Samuel 16, when Samuel was sent to go find the anointed one of God who would be king to rule over Israel. And he went through all of Jesse's sons, and none of them were it. And he's like, one of these guys has got to be it, because the Lord told me so. Is this all you got? And uh, Oh, yeah, well, we got David, but he's a shepherd. He's out there in the field. He says, go get him. They're like, really, a shepherd is going to do this? Yeah, right. And, And they didn't understand the humility, the humbleness that God was wanting to put forward to to be a picture of Jesus Christ. So they get David, and the Lord told Samuel, he is the one. This is the guy. Because the Lord knew which man he had chosen. Even back in the Abrahamic covenant, way back then, he already knew who it was going to be. It was going to be David to be the start of the messianic line who would bring in King Jesus eventually, who would rule on this throne forever, this eternal kingdom that the Lord said he is fixing to establish, that he has already been working to establish. I want you to see in Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government. And peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Look at that again. Another unconditional, the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord God will do these things, not us. Now, David just heard all this, this covenant material, this covenant wording I'm going to do all this. It's going to happen. You'll be blessed from it. Your sons from you will be blessed. It'll be eternal. Can you imagine if you were David hearing all this, having heard all this incredible blessing? Would that not make you insanely crazy, super thankful? What do you think David's going to do? Take a look. 2 Samuel 7 and 18, David's thanksgiving to God. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I? O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.